Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel, and welcome to another show of Empowered Love. And this is a little bit of a rerun, this show. This is a show about the legal situations with narcissists. And there was a show that I had on previously with New Wings. And New Wings is a lady in America who has been going through a lot of the legal system with a narcissist. She's very, very informed uh, and has a lot of valuable information to share. And last time she was to come on, I'd actually mucked up the time difference and... And, uh, and I ended up conducting the show from an energy perspective. But what's going to be great about today's show is New Wings is on, she's on the line, and we're going to be talking to her about a lot, and she's got 12 steps that she's going to share. Now, she's on in the first half of the show, and in the second half of the show, I have an Australian lawyer by the name of Susan Murray, who's also uh, gone through a processes with a narcissist, and she's got information to share. And what this show really is about, it's about to get the US and the Australian perspective, and also, too, this is about how to set boundaries, how to take your power back, how to mean business, and how to get out of that crippling fear and torture that can go down legally when you're dealing with a narcissistic individual so you can get straight and create the rebuilding of the life that you deserve to rebuild. So, New Wings, thank you for coming on again. Oh, you're very welcome, Melanie. I'm so happy to be back. I appreciate the invitation. You, you're more than welcome. It's always great having you on. So, you know, we've got half an hour to get through this stuff, and I know you've got a lot of pertinent information to share. So I'm just going to hand it over to you, and please, let's, let's get started with this. Okay. Well, Mel, you asked me to uh, speak to your audiences about how to retain their power uh, during the divorce from a narcissist. And uh, the following steps and points are what I would like to share with your audiences based on my own actual experiences of separating and divorcing in Southern California uh, in the course of 2004 and 2005 and dealing with all of the fallout since then. Um, In the time that we have, I will try to get through most of the points with your audience. The very first thing I would say is uh, there is uh, an importance to the filing order in a divorce. And my advice is to always be the first party to file if it's at all possible. In my case, um, my ex filed first. And what I discovered was that the person who files is perceived as having the strong position um, or being the, the uh, being the first person, and then the respondent is perceived as being in the defendant's chair. 
uh, and I found this to be the case in court attitude, um, the demeanor of the judge, and the manners that were used toward me from the very beginning. Uh, and I had no idea that it would not be handled as a complete 50-50 kind of uh, situation um, with respect accorded accordingly. So that would be point one. Point number two, uh, I would say in this area, meaning at least Southern California with narcissists, um, approach the matter as you're dealing with a criminal case. And by that I mean the only thing, the only thing that matters is physical, tangible evidence. That means any kind of media. It means proof of any kind of physical injuries. It means third-party documented proof. Uh, and that does not include um, the advice of those around you, which may be just documented and put it in your daily log, um, because a daily log ultimately becomes he said, she said, uh, and it simply in the end won't count except as a tool for yourself. Uh, point three so would great. be... If I can just come in there, um, yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of women that have absolutely worked from the emotional standpoint, yeah. And you're so right. It's got to be factual. It's got to be logical. Well, and the thing that people don't learn uh, or don't know necessarily when they're divorcing a narcissist is that they're dealing with a narcissist, and so they may be still approaching the matter from a, from a position of love and respect and uh, loyalty when, in fact, the opposing party is not. And so you're already working from two different playbooks. Uh, and the, the other person um, is likely not going to be functioning from any kind of rules, any kind of values, except with one prime objective, and that's to win on every single level. Correct. So um, point three would be, uh, and this was a shocker for me, the court attitude that all the parties to the case are liars, that the presumption is that both parties are liars, regardless of a person's lifestyle, their character, their reputation in the community. Um, and in the U.S., depending on where you live, uh, the joke in some states uh, is that um, he or she with the most money wins or he or she who lies best wins, and that that's all that divorce is about um, in this environment. So if you have never been a liar in your life and are not accustomed to it, this realization can be very hard to swallow and it's important to make a conscious decision at the beginning to play in at that level and stoop or, or decide not to, uh, no matter how the other party deals with you and uh, take the consequences accordingly. Um, point four would be that the court satellite uh, professional advisors, so all the people who basically make money um, from your crisis, whether they be mediators, coaches, therapists, uh, people who teach mandatory parenting courses, um, their primary involvement in it is to make make a dollar. Um, so my advice would be don't ever agree to having any private parties um, as opposed to court-appointed parties. Um, don't, don't agree to involve yourself with those private folks because they're generally on the side of the person who's paying their bill. Um, and as an example, uh, my, my first misstep was being led into private mediation paid by my ex, and I told the mediator every detail of his lifestyle, threats he'd made, and in the guy's final report, he called me the wife, not even by my first name, and said that the stories I told about my conversations with, with police were only alleged. 
Yes. So um, don't assume that they're out to protect your innocent best interests, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. Um, my experience was there were their objectives were to make money, to um, exert power over their little domains, and that they had an incredible amount of control over making whole decisions about your life, sometimes after knowing you for only 30 minutes or a couple of sessions. Um, and courts, uh, uh, folks in the in the court offices very often were most concerned about clear, clearing off files from their desks and getting home at 5 o'clock. Um, I paid a, a, a former employee of a mediator $300 to advise me on how to talk with the mediator. We even created an outline, and it totally and utterly completely backfired and failed and was completely the opposite of what I needed to do and say. Um, also, I can say six years since six years have gone by, um, I verified, even with my daughter's therapist, that Child Protective Services is actually paid by the state of California to keep families together. They're yeah. paid based on how many families they keep together. And no person ever told me this in the past six years until a month ago. That's frightening, uh, isn't it? That, yeah. that each case isn't assessed for what, for That's what right. it means. That's right. That's right. Um, Although my experience with a 730 psych evaluator uh, was extremely positive, it's also important to realize that a narcissist will also cheat in that area. Um, I was told that no family members uh, would be interviewed because they cancel each other out. And then uh, my ex got his mother, who's a, a therapist, to talk with the evaluator, and she tried to get them full custody of our daughter. Um, but the evaluator didn't believe what she told him about me. So it can be uh, quite a shock uh, from many perspectives. My point five would be uh, to recommend what I would call necessary and even life-saving reading. Uh, the very first thing I would recommend is to read The Art of War, um, which seems to be widely touted as a manual for divorcing narcissists, especially men. Um, it's a very old uh, Chinese work, and it includes topics like your attack plan, weak points, illusion versus reality, attack by fire, and use of spies. Um, second thing I would recommend for reading is Lundy Bancroft's Why Does He Do That? Uh, regarding angry and controlling men. And it's definitely one of the best works I've ever read, classifying abuse, abusive men into types of personalities, their motivations and behaviors. The third book I'd recommend is Gavin DeBecker's The Gift of Fear. Um, he's dealt in the court system and uh, in criminal law over years, and he um, explains the difference between anxiety, uh, which is a level of fear produced in the mind, and actual fear, which is something that will be uh, life-impacting imminently. And the last is Patricia Evans on the verbally abusive relationship. So members of your audience may already be familiar with some of these works, but these were some that became a foundation for how I was able to survive the past six years. Look, that's um, great. I, Can you just run through those again? Because I know people sure. might have pen and paper and they might have missed that. And look, sure. I always believe research and information is vital. So sure. go through those um, again. There, there are four that have been key for me. The first is the art of war. Um, and that has to do with uh, the separation and divorce predominantly. 
uh, and any kind of proxy behavior afterwards. The second is by Lundy Bancroft, and it's called Why Does He Do That? About Angry and Controlling Men. The third book is, called, is by Gavin DeBecker, B-E-C-K-E-R, and it's called The Gift of Fear. And the fourth book is, called, is by Patricia Evans, and it's called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. Fantastic. So um, my, my sixth point would be be your own lawyer. Um, and that means never assume that just because you gave your lawyer a whopping retainer uh, that they have the ability to protect your life and limb every minute, every hour of the day, 24-7. Um, it could break your budget in a heartbeat, and they don't think that way. Um, you have to be the number one person acting to protect your person, your property, and your sanity. And so by being your own lawyer, what I mean is get on the Internet, go to the library, and get and read the penal code of your own territory or your own state. Um, have the code there printed in front of you. And know especially the definitions of stalking, harassment, abuse, domestic yes. violence, burglary, yes. theft, forgery, embezzlement, um, and find out from your local law enforcement how they apply them. Find out and whether... And, you know, all of that list, all of that list, that's exactly what happened to me. All of that list. Yeah. And, yeah, and well, you know, all... if I'd have had definitions, I did it all wrong, you know, but if I had yeah. definitions and knew where I stood, it would have been so much better. Well, that supports the need for physical, tangible evidence. Um, and my experience was also that as long as we were still legally married, whether he lived in the family home or not, law enforcement did not treat his actions uh, like a criminal case. And it Correct. didn't seem to matter. I had matter. the same problem. Yeah, yes, it I didn't seem to matter what crimes he didn't seem to matter what crimes he committed against me. The only thing that they cared about was how he got along with the children. That was the only thing that mattered. So just quoting somebody a law um, was not sufficient. I needed to provide physical, tangible evidence um, of a violation uh, or a, you know, a boundary violation that occurred. Um, assume that they will lie in documents, lie to the judge, lie to their own counsel, lie to mediators, evaluators lie in the financial settlement agreement. Um, my ex even created a falsified mediator's report that was faxed to me in the middle of the night, uh, the night before I went to try and get some support in court, and it came from an unknown fax number um, at some distant uh, area code. And in the report it said I was delusional and all these kinds of things. It scared me so badly that I didn't show up for court and two days later, the actual report was filed without delusional in it and, and with normal letterhead and, and mm. signature at the bottom. Um, and I showed what I'd received to the gals at the court, and they said it looked doctored. Mm. So um, these things were so odd that there was no way I, my brain could even make up what someone like this would do. Clearly, he was getting advice. Um, the next point would be take action be willing to take action very quickly without waiting for permission from law enforcement or lawyers. That means if you live in a gated community, get the security guards to help with visits and custody issues. Meet with your own local police officers so they know who, who you are, what your face looks like, where you live, what your car is, 
and tell them your situation. Um, my number one advice, and uh, folks who dealt with the legal system may hold their breath at this, but my number one advice would be to tape record um, uh, your ex anywhere and everywhere, even without their knowledge. I agree. Whether it's legal, whether it's legal or not, it could mm. save your life. It could save your custody. And even if it isn't admissible in court, you still physically possess it as tangible evidence that you can show a mediator, a psych evaluator, or your own lawyer. I and have related- known a lot of women that have done that, that have taped conversations yeah. on their iPhones and things, and it yeah. has been crucial. Yeah. So yeah. I, I um, highly I, back I spent, that. I spent tens of thousands of dollars paying lawyers to beg and plead and help me um, when I should have been paying a private investigator and I should have been tape recording from day one. But so many people told me, oh, you can't, you can't, you're not allowed, you're not allowed. And everything about my divorce experience would have been completely different if I had done that from the first day. Um, well, you know, so much, because I've seen that stuff come up in mediation and then all of a sudden it's like they are on the back foot and they stop shoving what they're trying to push. Right. It's, it's stop narcissists in their tracks and that's what I've seen time and time again. That's right. That's right. Whenever they are met with uh, law or what police officers describe to me as a higher power, um, yes. And they meant they meant a judge because the judge is the only person who can put them behind bars and curtail their freedom. Um, suddenly they get very docile, they get very quiet, they get very nimble um, because yes. these are facts that are incontrovertible, yes. um, facts that they can't argue or negotiate away. Related to taking action quickly, I would say um, freeze any and all accounts uh, that you have in common but not just with a phone call. Get physical paperwork, names, and dates to show proof that that freezing actually occurred. Uh, and I have an example of that because I um, sent email requesting that a joint uh, investment account be frozen the day that we split. And almost a year later, two months after the financial settlement, when I went to purchase a home with my 50% of the assets, the uh, globally known investment account people told me that our six-digit account had been cleaned out the day before by my ex Mm. uh, with, with no paperwork, with no paper trail, and interestingly, the guy who was our investment advisor no longer worked there. Yeah. So uh, you have to have physical, tangible proof. My next point would be be prepared to remove and hide property. And again, this is hard for most people to get their head around. But even day one, um, any personal mementos, non-replaceable assets, any yes. individual items of huge value, uh, all financial, legal, credit, marital documents, um, put them in a... Um, uh, neighbor's garage, put them in a rented uh, storage facility, um, even empty out the safety deposit box uh, and make sure that nobody knows where these items are. Narcissists value, number one, the money, number two, the home, which is their castle where they control everything, and number yes. three, the stuff, not the people and the lives. That's um, right. And, That's it, right. and in the end, they'll be the smart ones and they go for whatever is the most liquid and portable first absolutely and it's very much the entitlement of the narcissist they they won't play fair and that's what happened to me everything got cleaned out everything of mine got 
um, <clears throat> hold up. He just took everything. Yeah. Well, what what happened to me was he left virtually everything in the house so that it could be shown for sale because he forced the sale of the house out from under me before he left. Mm-hmm. And then uh, while the house was for sale, um, he wasn't paying the mortgage. And when I went to move out, because he had frozen the bank accounts, um, I had to move out a five-bedroom home um, with no money to move and to a rental house that was half the size of what we came from. And those mm. physical items became the most in- incredible burden, which I then had to sell at $0.10 cents on the dollar. Mm. Mm. So mm. In, the end, it, in the end, the stuff meant nothing, and he got the money, and so he thought he got a better deal. Yes. Um, uh, let's see, next point. Get physically away from the ex uh, as soon as possible. And that means if you can get permission to get the locks changed on the home, um, do so. Uh, Leave if necessary. Um, Insist on a custody change in a public place. And that means a school, a police station, someplace where there are going to be people around. Because so often threats are made one-to-one at the side of the car or, you know, walking through a quiet area and no one hears you or threats are made privately on the phone at the front door and no one hears you. Do not expect that an ex will show respect, decency, remorse, obligation, responsibility, deference, understanding, humanity to its basis level, or that they'll follow the law. Um, Do not assume that their attempts to be in your presence or out of goodwill. Um, I discovered from my ex's own attorney who broke client confidentiality uh, that his purpose to return to our home to live until the divorce was finalized was to force a violent confrontation so he could take full custody of our daughter. So recognize that if you stay in the home, uh, you may be a sitting duck and you're going to have to deal with having someone come at you from that perspective. Yes. Um, next point would be using kids as part of their group of proxies. Uh, when my ex left, the morning that he left, he turned to our daughter, who was then six, and asked if she wanted to go live with daddy. Um, he lied to her school and told them that, that he was taking her out to go to an event but instead he gave her to his girlfriend that he'd been seeing for two months. Um, And that same woman, um, uh, our daughter then came to me and told me that he wanted her to call, he wanted her to call the woman Mama. Um, And we weren't divorced and they'd only been together two months. Mm. Um, When we were uh, going through a psych evaluation, which was at his demand, our daughter was in sand tray play and she created um, a figure, and she called me a demon, which is a word I knew she didn't know. And then she turned to the evaluator and told him, Daddy's been teaching me to say these things. Um, Next point, using friends and employees as proxies. Uh, They might drive up to your home and offer to move stuff when, in fact, they've got a camera and they're scoping out your property. Um, They might send a friend or their kids to your door um, to visit or to play when, in fact, the friend is probably um, staking out your house to see the quality of how you live. Um, Both of those things happen with me. Yes, and Um, with me too. Narcissists tend to keep people very close to you in their game. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they don't tell they don't necessarily tell them the real reason that they're doing things. So there could be two or three stories going back and forth about the purpose of why things are happening. Oh, and totally. Until, and, and they're very, very good at manipulating and lying and getting people on their side. They're very, very believable. That's right. Yeah. Um, the next point would be become your own fortress, sword, and shield. And this is something that it took me a long time to learn even after the divorce was final. Um, it's a, it was a life attitude that I finally came to. Um, because when the divorce was final and thereafter, nothing changed in terms of a lack of communication boundaries, lack of physical boundaries. Uh, it was all just a constant onslaught. Um, and I really could see that I was being treated like chattel, like property. Uh, so what, what it means to be a fortress, sword, and shield to me means you put up boundaries like the Berlin Wall. And you have to treat this person like he's now a stranger, um, especially if you've been violated on any criminal level. He, in effect, would be. And for me, what worked was to adopt a completely lifeless voice tone, something non-emotional, just blank. Uh, what worked was to not ever use his name um, in conversation or in writing in any email um, to change my body language so that I would not face him, so that I would turn my back to him and that we would physically remain apart when we'd be together in a public place. All of these things helped with what I adopted, which was modified no contact, because that was the only thing uh, that enabled me to survive eventually. Um, I would send, uh, he would send an email and I would send a, one sentence reply and his response email would be five paragraphs and then we went back and forth with seven emails and the emails got angrier and angrier and more insulting and more insulting and it happened like that like a death spiral every time so eventually when he would email if there was no question in the email it never got a reply and now I reply to maybe one in five or one in ten emails and instead of uh, a reply with content, I'll just write a Y for yes. That is how severely abbreviated my communications have become, and it has helped my healing in a major, major way because eventually he gives up, eventually. That's um, brilliant. That is a brilliant suggestion. I love that. And the thing is, too, as soon as you engage and give any space, a narcissist yeah. will go to hook you every time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing for me is um, uh, I discovered early on when I was calling the police and we were still living in the family home, he threatened to break windows to get in. He threatened to harm me, you know, to take stuff from the house. And the police sat in my kitchen and they said, uh, we already know these guys. And they said only a higher power uh, is what they respond to and that they uh, they said they're masters at flying just under the radar and doing things that are just this side of illegal, and they know exactly where the limits and boundaries are. So, for example, if the definition of harassment is 25 contacts in 24 hours, then they'll contact you 22 times. Correct. I had the, I had the experience at uh, several mediation meetings where I tried to back off from email because he emailed me hundreds of times a year and just have one weekly summary email 
Um, he'd repeatedly tell the mediator who didn't get it, oh, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. And in the last meeting we had where we had yet another discussion about um, email, and we've been in mediation for five years every quarter, every time at his calling, um, uh, we'd agreed to limited contact. And in the last meeting, he emailed me, I don't know, three times within one hour of leaving the meeting just to prove that he could. Yeah. It just never, ever stops. Yeah. So, um, and all in all, assume that variations of this will go on for years. Um, I actually had a police detective tell me early on that I was dealing with power and control and that it had nothing to do with love and marriage. Um, and so I should anticipate that it would continue. So okay. the obsessive communication, the ongoing devaluing, the only thing that put a barrier and the only thing that enabled my empowering um, was modified no contact. And telling him that if I was violated and telling a third party, a mediator, a therapist in his presence, if you violate me, I will have you jailed. If you violate me, I will file charges against you. I treat you no differently than any other person on the street. And never did the mediator or the court people um, debate me or disagree. They just stayed silent. So uh, putting these things in place over a period of years gradually has been what's helped to uh, accelerate my healing. And so I highly recommend these steps and whatever combination works for your audience. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Oh, good. I think that is fantastic. And I think, you know, what a great resource because... You know, they, this show is archived, so there's so many women out there that are dealing with this, and I'm going to absolutely highly recommend this show, and it's going to be a part of uh, Narcissistic Central, the, the new website that I'm creating, because I think as a resource, it's incredibly valuable. And what is wonderful, New Wings, is you have really done your homework. You've been through the ringer and back. You've really bogged in, and I think you've Set. you've really been a trendsetter for what women need to follow, a model they need to follow. So I, I just, um, look, I just applaud you with what you've been able to create and what you've been able to share today. That, that It's just sensational. Oh, thank you so much, Mel. Well, it's taken years, and I could tell you that um, it's probably only been in the last two years that I could say that I've, I'm really on the positive side of healing. Uh, it's taken that long to get a handle on what's the method that's needed to handle this yes. character. Yes. Um, um, the obsessive communication continued so that, for instance, he told me what my facial expressions had to look like when he saw me in public. Um, yes. He wrote me an email declaring what his laws were. Um, yes. uh, the day we made the parenting agreement, that same day, that afternoon, he immediately started trying to renegotiate it. And I have stood my ground, even though for years he's called me uh, rigid, which of course is a psychoanalytical term um, designed to make me feel uncertain. But in fact, my rigidity was simply solid adherence to the law, the agreement, and the contract. Yes. He no longer calls me rigid. <laughs> yes. yes. So... Um, eventually things change, time passes, the kids grow up and they develop eyes and ears and uh, you're not alone eventually. 
Fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, look, and I love it. And that's, you know, the standard procedures. And, you know, what I love doing on my side of things is the energetic relief and release, you mm-hmm. know, which changes the whole way you feel about it and line up with it. And I think both are very, very important. So wonderful, fantastic resource. And thank you, New Wings. We're out of time for you, but I cannot thank you enough for this. Oh, you're very welcome, and I send my greetings to your audience, and I hope that these points will be of benefit to any of them, and if I can be of a resource again, please feel free to call on me. Fantastic, and I'm sure I will, because you're a sensational resource. So, uh, you know, all the best, dear, and we'll be talking soon. Excellent, Mel. Thank you so very much. I'll sign off then now. All right, darling. Okay, bye-bye. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Hello, is that you, Susan? That is me. How are you, Melanie? Hello, I'm great. I'm great, and thank you so much for coming on. That's all right. That's my pleasure. And look, I think this is just such an important show because, Susan, you know, and and look, you know, this has been your experience, it's been my, my experience, and there's just a lot of women out there that are really, really struggling with the narcissistic angle and with their settlements and, and, re- and getting their life and their boundaries back. And I think it's wonderful that you can come on and you're an Aussie like myself and yes. we can talk... <laughs> yeah, and we can talk about, you know, some of the things that, that us uh, Aussie women can do. That so I would... L- okay, terrific. So I'd love you to share with us some of the steps and the procedures that you believe that women can work with? I think it's uh, very important, particularly for women in narcissistic relationships. It's much harder trying to get settlements or property or children or any legal issues resolved because you're dealing with someone who is not um, in the normal vein, is not able to negotiate very well and what normally would happen in a court hearing is not going to happen. And it often goes to a judge and it makes it very difficult. So I think these women very much have to try and be aware of their options. For example, if they're trying to get out of a relationship, that they can get an intervention order to protect themselves. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of women... Um, sorry? Yeah, and look, that's a huge, huge aspect of it. And I, and I know for myself it took me a long time to get to that point and a long time to mean it but you know all of this the the whole narcissistic thing is about creating boundaries and taking our power back and honoring and respecting ourselves and and would you you know look my experience has been with virtually all narcissists that when you do stand up and when you do mean it you know and and there's another party that's coming in that's overseeing it that you can have them legally bound by most of them back down they back down. They turn into bullies. For a start, I mean, they always are bullies, unfortunately, but we don't stand up and we don't give any boundaries and we just go along with it. And then eventually when, when you're ready to stand up and you say, right, I'm about to go and what can I do and how can I do this safely? And you might take out an intervention order. And once they realise that, most of them won't, you know, they won't go any further. They realise that's the law and they won't break it or they'll do like New Wings did. They might push the boundaries a bit and like she said before, but um, basically they will back off because you've stood up for the first time and you've taken your boundaries back and your power. 
So most women can go, you can go to your local magistrate's court and you can get an intervention order and you can go there before you leave and he doesn't have to know about it, but he will know about it, you know, shortly thereafter. But at least then you've got some boundaries and you've got some legal protection in place before you leave. Have you seen, I mean, I know with my experience and a lot of women that, you know, unfortunately, and I did it, I did it three times put intervention orders on, and then I got sucked back in. Yes, yes, absolutely. I had my very good friend did that, and straight away she was getting sucked back in and he was coming around, and, of course, once the police know that... It was a small town. Once the police know that they're seeing each other again, suddenly the intervention order's not worth anything, really. It makes it very hard for the police if, if you start seeing the person and then you go to them, like, on the tenth time and say, oh, well, he came and abused me, but what about the other nine times he's been around for coffee and stuff? It makes it difficult. So, but that's the power they have. They have a strong power. And I mean, I'm more on the legal side, but I know you know so much about that, that they pull you back in again. And this woman had to leave. She had to leave this town. It was the only way she could get away from this man was to get right away, absent herself from him. Then she took out an intervention order, and I was very proud of her. She went to the court all by herself and did this. And she rang me up and she said, guess what I've done? I've got an intervention order all by myself, you know? And it gave her yeah. back so much power. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. mind you, he still tracked her down up in the city, found her and started stalking her, but she then went back to court and said, right, this is what he's doing, and the police just jumped on him, and it hasn't happened since. But yeah. it was very much part of her learning again, you know? Exactly, and, and, you know, and that's about getting out of the illusion of the narcissist because, you know, I know those things were happening with me, and, and I was still that sick at that time that it was oh my god maybe you know he does love me maybe you know this time it's going to be right maybe he's sorry maybe he's remorseful and it's, it's just so important to become educated about what narcissism is and it is about supply and as new wing said it's not about love and marriage it's about power and control and narcissistic supply and when you realize that you are an object that, you know, you can get a lot clearer with it and not uh, be emotionally swayed, which is just so important. Yes, and it's very hard. I, I had a young, a very young client recently and I, I worked out fairly quickly that she was in a similar relationship, a narcissistic relationship, without asking her so much, just from what she was telling me about her ex-partner. But she'd mm. seen pretty quickly she was able to get out of it. And I, I congratulated her. I said, you're amazing that you've done this so quickly because he's so powerful. And mm. she didn't even realise that she was able to get out pretty soon. And she had to stay away from him. And even then there were some legal problems. But she managed to get through them. And, you know, hopefully she's got boundaries around that can protect her now. And you must see a lot of it. Do you see but a you lot of it? You do see a lot of it. You do. It's quite amazing. It's it, sometimes surprises me how much of it is out there and I, yeah. I just sort of wonder what is going on with these men particularly it's usually always men as we know but what is going on they think they can do these things that they've got the right to abuse people verbally legally you know financially and then just mm -hmm. stand up and uh, and think it's normal and these women and children who are you know are totally abused and they think they can yeah. get away with it yes well, there's an awful lot of it going on, and I think the thing is, Susan, you know, it's all about, as women, that when we do get empowered and we do create boundaries and we do get out of, you know, our needy illusions and become a source to ourselves, these men aren't going to be able to operate. 
That's right. That's right. They won't have anybody else left to uh, right. to manipulate or to control. And I think that's it's slowly happening. And that's why websites like yours are so important. You, you look at your website and you just go, "Wow!" And you know, I can see clients, and you know, I've referred clients to your website just quietly. Some people sort of look a bit strangely at me. You know, I'm supposed to be the lawyer, but not know anything else except the law. But you can't yes. deal with family law except look at some of the other things that are happening and what's going on with people. And I know well, that's your website's helped a lot of people. Oh, that's good. Because there is. There's so, you know, it's not just factual cognitive stuff, this stuff. There's so much emotion and there's so many of our old programs and our old codependencies wrapped up in it that, you know, really... We've got to look at it from, from that angle as well as all the practical angles as well. And then if we can combine the two, well, then you can be a source to yourself and trust yourself and be empowered and then never have to go through this sort of stuff again. That's right. And the women, they need a lot of help and a lot of support because they, these people are so strong and powerful. They'll manipulate them, they'll manipulate the children I'll do exactly the same with the children. So suddenly they're hearing things about their mother and they're getting verbally and emotionally abused themselves. And then this lady's got to try and go to court and try and get orders so she can see the children who are believing what their father tells them. And that makes it very difficult legally uh, to to move forward all the time with the children. But it happens eventually. It's being yes. patient and strong and um, trying to um, learn what they can do yeah absolutely which is what this is all about because you know in every incident that I've seen and what I experience is with the narcissist is they don't want to play ball and they don't want to come up with fair solutions in fact they don't want solutions what they want is the fight the power they want to uh, unfortunately and sadly have you deranged have you off balance mm. They want to be entitled. They want to mine you. Narcissists are very parasitical. So what they're going to try and do is take what's yours and then use it as a hook to wield power over you. So, you know, when you... And this was a huge shock to me in my settlement because I was still in the illusion. Now, surely there's a part of this person that is going to be fair and reasonable and, and human. Exactly. And it's none of that existed. But they, yes, that's right. They can't. They can't. They don't know how to be fair. Uh, they don't know how to say, "Well, this is what should happen in a normal situation," because that's not them. And sometimes we're going to court, and my client will say, "I don't want to go to court. It's very, uh, it's very difficult. It's very stressful." And I say, "And but they won't listen. The husband won't listen until he gets to that court. And sometimes it takes two or three times before he has a judge sitting there." And finally it might get through to him because there's no part of him that wants to be fair or give her anything. And they thrive on that drama and they thrive on going to court. And that's what you've got to sometimes deal with and just go through the system until it gets to the end. That's right. And look, you know, with uh, quantum healing, I help a lot of women in that situation get out of that fear and that horror to get much more firmer inside and when they yes. can do that, and then if they can back it up with, you know, what they can do, and I have seen women come out well, you know, which is just a huge turnaround from what happened to me. Yes, yes. 
Yes, it's getting that power, it's getting the understanding and some education. There's a lot of resources now, both on the internet, there's legal resource uh, groups and support groups everywhere. There's legal aid in most states. And then there's help from lawyers to to give them a bit of power um, on the legal side of things, to help them go to court, help them get back the children, the finances, try and resolve that as well. But it's very difficult because the whole time they are trying to get back their own personal power and strength and they're fighting from that point of view as well. So it makes it hard to go to court when you are not strong enough. Yes, yes. So what other suggestions? In choosing a lawyer, how would you, being a lawyer yourself, how would you advise people to to choose a lawyer? I guess that's the million dollar question. I always think it's, I think it needs to be someone obviously you can relate to and I think you can usually tell, particularly women, the first time you meet someone whether you can relate to them or not. Um, it's a very emotional time. So it's a mix of trying to, have a personal touch with someone but at the same time listening to them for advice because you may not always be functioning as well as you think you are and you might not want to hear what you're being told sometimes. So, But you've also got to have that feeling. You've got to have those good vibes, as we call them, with somebody. And if you can get those when you go to, to see the lawyer, well, you've got a good chance of um, being able to relate and go along together. There's a lot of other practical things you've got to look at. You've got to look at your costs. Um, and they vary quite a bit. Um, look at whether you'd like a male or a female, because a lot of women are in this abusive situation. They will relate better to a female, and I'm not just saying that for that reason. Unfortunately, sometimes men find it harder to relate in the situation, particularly when the women have been abused by a narcissistic male. It's very hard for them to sit there with a man and tell him all these things. So they've got to look at all these different things and then think, okay, I can get on with this person. I think I feel good about working with her on my family law file or with him on my family law file. Do you think that the legal system is starting to recognise narcissism? I think it is. I I think it's recognising that there are a lot of people with mental problems out there, particularly narcissists. I don't think it's overtly talked about. And I think there needs to be a lot more education about the whole thing and why um, people, are, not why they're like this, but why it's then hard for them to settle or settle at court. Mm. Um, the men, some of the male lawyers, are so, will, you'll ring and say, look, you know your client's got a lot of problems. And, and they understand that, but I don't think they always understand that they might be narcissistic or have bipolar or something like that, mm-hmm. which is preventing any settlement once you understand that, you think, well, nothing I do or nothing advise this person is going to get them to settle. You're just going to have to keep moving along. Mm. I know, yeah, and you know, there would be a lot of that. And look, you know, and I guess there could be even situations with settlement that if somebody's really hurt and really not accepting that they could be acting narcissistically as well and not necessarily be a narcissist. Yes, yes, they're not going to realise themselves, are they? They're never going to admit it anyway. They're always going to say they're okay. But um, it's very hard with legal advice, and you've got another lawyer standing there and saying, look, I know what you're saying is fair and this is what's reasonable. My client doesn't want to listen. There's no way he's going to settle for that. And we say, fine, just put it down for the next step in the proceedings and we'll just go on to our conference or our final hearing at the family court. And then it doesn't matter what he thinks, a judge hopefully will make a 
reasonable and fair decision. Yes, which is what the system is supposed to do. That's what the system is supposed to do. Now, we all know it's not always reasonable and fair because... Unfortunately, um, because of the power the narcissist has, they put a lot of pressure on. Even though you might have an intervention order, there might be children involved. Children get upset because they will be saying things to the children, even when they're not meant to. They're manipulating the system. And often the women will say, that's enough, I'm compromising. And I see it time and time again, just for their own health and sanity, and that is the children. And that's very commendable. It's not always fair, but... They see a bigger picture and it's, I'll settle, let's just move on. I've got my life to get back. Mm, and that's exactly what I did. Yes. I've had enough, I caved in. No. And I know when and you talk about that's where it's very difficult, but um, it's, it is, it's moving along and it's getting the children out of that situation and starting all over again. Yeah, yeah, look, Absolutely. So is there any other, you know, suggestions like New Wings was talking about, uh, you know, because I guess, look, it would be very hard in a legal system to come forward and emotionally say, well, you know, my ex-partner's a narcissist. That's really not going to help you, is it? No, no, it doesn't get you, behaviour's not going to get a lot of help these days, particularly like in Australia, whether someone's misbehaved or physically, verbally abused someone doesn't affect the final property settlement, for example. It might affect whether you get the children or not or how much time you see with the children, but you can fill pages with the person's behaviour and what he said and did to you, and it's not really relevant to the court case, but it's very relevant to whether the matter's going to settle, and that's the problem. So yeah. how much do you put down? And it's very good for the female to tell me all that, particularly for the women to talk to me about it um, and that's where going to a male lawyer sometimes they're um, much more practical they'll just go don't want to hear about all that just what all the practical things that's happened who's paid for what who's bought what who's worked but sometimes it's important to know what the other half was like and particularly if they were a narcissist because that'll have a big effect on what's happening in the whole case yeah yeah and I, and I think with women with narcissists, it really is so important to realise, I know I have clients that are still really struggling with, you know, they're trying to settle with him out of court, they're trying to come to some sort of arrangement. And I know I went through that. And the story and the goalposts would change sometimes day to day as to what right. he would... And I was just twisted and turned around in complete knots. And I see this happening to women. And I say to them time and time again, go through the system. Don't try and work it out with him on the side because all he's going to do is delay it, hook you up and twist you around in circles. And he's still controlling you. That's right. You're totally controlled again. That's um, this friend of mine who had to get herself away from the ex who's a narcissist She's had to cut off all communication. The only, she's now gone to court, which was a huge step for her to do, going yes. through her lawyer. She didn't even go to court for the hearing because um, yes. of what she thought it might do to her to get pulled back in again. She yes. can't basically go anywhere near him or have anything to do with him. And she's just trying to go through the system to recover what she's got, you know, out of the property and um, yes. things like that. And... Yes. Uh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult because yes. of the, the narcissist, the power they have. Yes, yes. 
And that's my advice too. Do it all through the legal channels. Do no contact as much as possible or, or completely if possible and just do it all through the channels and through solicitors. Yeah, because they're just brilliant. It's just amazing how they can twist it around. As you said, though, let's get together and talk about it and you know, the next minute you're hooked back in again and um, they're being friendly and nice and... You know, well, you just sign this and I'll sign that. And I just say to people, don't sign anything. Just bring it all back here. I don't care if you have coffee and have a roundtable talk. That's fine. But don't sign anything, whatever it is. And that's one of the most valuable pieces of advice you can give somebody because sometimes Mm -hmm. we're so upset, um, we don't know what we're signing. We don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And you could be Mm -hmm. signing bank account, extension on the mortgage, all sorts of things without realising it. Mm, mm. Yeah, and certainly, you know, don't go from, uh, you know, his word, you know. If you've been with a narcissist, you know his word doesn't hold, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, it was like my ex, he was saying, well, you know, I'm doing these renovations improvements and you're going to get 50% of them. And there was actually one stage in the breakup, in one of the breakups, many, where he said, I'll sign, you know, I'll put the house all over to you because, you know, I'm willing to show good faith and, and uh, you know, and then there was all, well, have you done that with a solicitor yet? Well, no, I haven't because of A, B, C and D, all the normal lies and excuses. And then the whole thing, you know, and then one argument cropped up and then it was, well, why should I do that for you? And then it was back to me hooked in and justifying and just horrible. Yes, all different things. I've got a client at the moment and she was persuaded to sign some documents uh, for an extension of a line of credit, just in case they needed it for later on, but it was never going to be used. He promised he'd never use it. Suddenly, the whole lot's gone, all gone. The yes. total line of credit's been used up, and yes. it's just disappeared somewhere. And they just make all sorts of promises, but they don't. They sometimes don't uh, even realise they're doing it. They're just just saying these things, and then they look at you blankly when you said, "But you said you weren't going to do that," you know. And they're just manipulating and lies and stories. So you never know where you are, never know where you are. So it's better just to jump right away from it, leave it with someone else, let it communicate through the lawyers, and eventually, you know, it will get it settled. It'll take That's a while, right. but That's at least right. you don't have to deal with them. Uh, and the That's best thing right. is to stay away from them. And, you know, even if you could look at it and say, well, it's going to cost more, you know, a lot of people are, are scared of the legal system because everyone knows it's expensive. It is expensive, but, and it's got very expensive these days. But there's help, there's help through legal aid, and there's other help as well. And there are lawyers around who help also are very reasonable and will do their utmost to help people, particularly in an yes. abusive situation. There's a lot of lawyers doing pro bono or discounting their their fees for that reason, just to help people and try and get them back on their feet. Which is which is sensational, and and you know I think. You've got to look at it, you know, with the narcissist, it's so much about throwing the good after the ba- into the bad. And, you know, the more you hang on and the more you try to save money and the more you try to whatever, the more you end up losing. It's the women that hang on for the reasons of security that end up losing the most. So really, you know, what you've got to do is get straight. You've got to get firm. It may cost you money, but really what you've got to look at is the long-term result. And if it's going to cost you a few thousand dollars or, you know, even $10,000 to get a fair settlement, you need to do it. 
Yes, or to get some sort of a settlement because with narcissists they'll tend to sit and do nothing and oftentimes things will be in their name or, and they'll refuse to sign anything or do anything. So sometimes you've got no choice but to go to a lawyer, talk to them, try and get things resolved, get the names taken off and start all over again. And until you do that, you're not going to cut that tie with the person and get away from them. It's very, That's very right. difficult. It's very That's difficult. That's right. And they're going to hang on to all of the ties. You know, that's what my ex did to me. He hung on to every little bit of whether it be property or an article or a painting or a whatever, you know. Anything to have a tie to you. Mm. Anything. And, and it was about severing every single tie that I could to, to be able to be free, to be able to be myself. And, and you want to, you know, you don't want to drag that out. You don't want to drag that out. You want to get that sorted. You want to get straight. You want to get clear. And you want to go for it. And so, you know, Susan, would you say that women that if they do get in their power and they do get strong and they do get the right lawyer, that, you know, they can do that. They can push that system forward, can't they? Oh, they can. They can just keep moving on. They can push the system. They can say, right, I don't want to, you know... Compromise, I just want to keep moving. And if they, the narcissist starts to mess around and not answer letters or get his lawyer not to answer letters, they can say, right, I just, just go to court. Then we can talk at court. Courts these days are very into negotiating, mediating. It doesn't mean to say you're going to have a trial. So, but it's moving on. So it's not just spending the time being manipulated by them again because otherwise you'll be a long time doing that. And it's very difficult well, my because they love to keep you tired. Mm. Absolutely. My ex-narcissist was putting in false doc documentation, you know, or, or wrong documentation. So my solicitor, had, and, you know, and I was too battered and shattered to go to court. I yes. just, I just yes. needed to pull the pen. You, you know, needed to do it, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, yeah. Seen, I've seen people like that, and it's very, very hard for them to go to court, and they need so much support. But once they get there and see they've got a little bit of power back, um, it, that helps them a lot, you know. And I mean, I've been involved with a narcissist as well. And he, you're talking about financial ties. And, and a while ago, he said to me, and the ties are pretty much gone now. But he said to me, "You'll always be tied to me financially the rest of your life." And I said, "No, I won't." And yeah. you were just talking about how every tie has mm. to be cut. Doesn't matter what it is, you've just got to cut those ties so that you don't have any joint things anymore, because they'll never leave you alone otherwise. You know, that's right. There'll always be a reason to come back. Absolutely, because what they want is narcissistic supply. And yes. that's if they've got you still hooked up on something, then that ensures narcissistic supply. So, you know, it's so important to get clear on what a narcissist is so that you know how important that is. That's right, and then you've got an understanding of why it might be taking a while for them to go to court um, and what's happening and why yes, they just don't want to settle. That's right. You can understand the psychology of it. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. That's really all right. really appreciate your time and your busy schedule for doing this for, for me and the listeners. That's and, quite uh, all right. I just encourage everybody out there, go and talk to someone, whether it's a, a legal aid person or somebody, and just get some help and some encouragement and particularly some support on the legal side of things. Yep, and I'm here to support you guys uh, emotionally and vibrationally and get clear. So, you know, use these resources and, uh, you know, you can get through it and out the other side and into it an incredible, 
life that you deserve because that's what the narcissistic trip is all about. So thank you, Susan. That's all right. Thank you very much. And all, all that, right. and well, I look forward to um, talking to you again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. So everybody, thank you for listening to the show. What a great resource show. You know, use this show because it's going to come in so handy for you if you're in this situation or if you know another woman in this situation refer her to this show please let's spread the information so we can help women recover all right and i'll look forward to talking to you all next week all right have a great day great night bye-bye